Hello and welcome to Lessons with Dad. And today I'm here with two of my daughters. Hi. Hi. I have Ruthie and Sarah Jane back from college. And so today we're going to go through our summary of our latest series, The Psychology of Excellence. We're going to summarize all four books in one quick thing and just talk about the best things we learned from each one and what we enjoyed and any takeaways or lessons learned that we had. So girls, let's get started with the book, Intelligence and How to Get It by Richard Nisbet. Um, what'd you think? What'd you think of the book? Anything you liked particularly about this one? Um, my favorite part of Intelligence and How to Get It was when it talked about tutoring and the difference between a good and bad tutor because it's really helpful because I'm tutoring a seventh grader in all subjects. And I never knew that you shouldn't just point out what she does wrong and give her the answer that I need to ask her more questions and make her think. Yeah, that's right. That's a huge part. And Ruthie, not only for you teaching seventh graders, it's really good for any of us. It made me a better tutor for you. Wish I would have had this for my older girls because it really opened my eyes for what a good tutor and a bad tutor are. And I was clearly in the bad tutor category, <laughs> not the best tutor because I was, I was that debugger, right? I, here's your mistake. Here's how you fix it. Let's do this. And so, um, yeah, interesting in that. And I think that was pretty insightful. Um, Ruthie, what should a good tutor do? What should a good tutor do from the book? A good tutor should ask leading questions and then ask students to explain their reasoning and don't give them like saying they're right or wrong. That's right. It's not about right or wrong. It's more about learning. It's not an evaluation, but an exercise and learning and effort. So, yeah, I thought that was, was one of my great takeaways from the book as well in that whole section. Um, Sarah Jane, anything you thought was, was particularly great about that book? Yeah, I thought the point about if you want to be smarter, you have to work harder or study or put in more effort and you can become a smarter person. That's right. There's no doubt. He talked a great deal about, uh, it's, let's assume all of us are kind of on the equal playing field no matter your race, anything like that, um, where you were born, we're all pretty much at about the same starting point. Yeah, some people might have a little advantage here or there, but let's, on, on a big scale, let's say we're pretty much even. And he says, look, if you want to get smarter, you can. And it's all about effort. The more you study, the more you work. Yeah, environment's a huge part about it. And if you've got culture pushing you to, like the East Asians have, uh, where they study three, four hours a day, every day, and their culture really values, you know, doing well in school. Sure, but there's no reason you or I can't do that, <laughs> right? It's just maybe we, we don't. And so if you want something and you want to get smarter, you can. I thought that was really, really interesting in the book uh, as we went through it. One of my favorites was, and a, and a highlight through the book, is that um, it's, it is less about heredity. It's not as hereditary, um, and it's more about your environment. We have more control over our intelligence than people would like to think. 
right? We like to blame it as, oh, I didn't get the best genes or whatever. But quite honestly, if you want to be smarter at anything, you can learn it and, and do it. And here's another thing. And I, quite honestly, I didn't understand this completely. Um, school does make you smarter, plain and simple. Grade school, high school, college, the more education you get, the smarter you are. And he makes this thing. And look, financial and all that success isn't the end all be all in life. But the more intelligence, the more IQ, the more school you do, he really lays out that the the more opportunities and advantages you're going to have uh, in life to, to gain a better living and higher income and achieve higher status and success at work. And so going to school really, really matters. And I didn't quite understand that, honestly. I always valued school, but, you know, um, would have said, hey, if you don't want to go to college and not college isn't for everybody, but there is it going to college, you learn things. And he specifically went through some of the statistical things and concepts that you learn the, the more you go in school. And so there is real value in that. And one other point is the quality of your teachers matters. And he was very explicit in saying that there are, you know, one avoid at all costs, the rookie teacher, their first year of teaching. I think there's a huge learning curve. He said after that, the second year, third year doesn't really matter, but avoid a rookie teacher at all cost. And uh, I thought that was interesting as well as parents. My kids are older now, but uh, certainly early on, you want to avoid those rookie teachers in, in their first year of teaching. So a great book there. Any other thoughts or comments on intelligence and how to get it? No, I thought it was especially helpful for me in school because I always thought if I didn't understand something on the first try, then I was stupid or dumb or I'm, I'm never going to understand it. But this gave me a better perspective to understand that it's not you. You just need to put in more effort and you'll be able to learn pretty much anything, whether in school or in life. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah Jane. So how many people here have heard people say, uh, hey, I'm just not good at math. Yes. Have, have you heard that, Ruthie? Yes. <laughs> We've all heard that. People go, oh, I'm just not good at math. And what he basically says here is that's just not true. We all have the capacity to be good at math or to be good at science or to be good. So much of it is the environment that you're in, the, the support you're given, and then your effort, right, to, to improve your skill there. And so a really, really good point on just what's involved there because it's not you. It might be more difficult at the beginning, but quite honestly, having some challenges early on can actually lead out to some benefits later on by, by the extra effort you have to put in to overcome that. So really good. And hey, before we go into the next book, just as we go through this, what did y'all think of the process in general of going through four books like this and going through, and these are all pretty much psychology and we're going to go over some different series later, finance, some things like that. But what y'all think? Did you enjoy it? What'd you like, not like? What'd you think, girls? Um, I think my favorite part. Well, hold on. This is just but before this book here. What would you just think in general about going through the, oh. four, the four different books, Ruthie? Did you enjoy the whole process of what we've done over the last month or so? Or yeah. actually three months? Um. <laughs> I liked how they kind of were all connected, but they all talked about like really different things. Yeah, that is. And, and it is true. They were all connected and, and somewhat even more than I thought. And in fact, 
this next book that we're going to go through um, on mindset, Carol Dweck was quoted by every other author, author through that. And, and her thought leadership in some of these areas was really cool to see. And it, what did you think, Sarah Jane, as we went through this? Have you, have you enjoyed it? Even though you haven't been in all of them, you've listened to all the episodes. I'm kind of teaching you from afar while yes. you're at college. What did you think? Yeah, listening to it has been really beneficial. I like how it focuses on internal, like focusing internally to make your external life better. You know, they're all about psychology. So I think it reading the books and hearing about the books make you makes you realize what's going on in your head and how you're approaching tasks that's making your life difficult or not being able to reach your full potential. I think hearing about it makes you unlock or open the gates in your head that were previously closed, especially for me, the fixed and growth mindset and atomic mm. habits and like all of them. Yeah. It's a clean, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it is interesting. And you know, what's funny is you go through these books and you'll hear from me over and over again. Oh my gosh, I've changed the way I've done that. I've changed the way I'm tutoring based on the tutoring you'll hear in the other books. Um, I made some mistakes as a parent going through, call them mistakes. I just didn't know better, right? And as you get, as I learn more, I wish I would have known these things earlier for my older daughters. Um, but look, all I can do now is take what I've, I've learned and apply it um, going forward. I can't fix the mistakes of the past, but I can. But it's, it's hard to take sometimes when you shine a light on some of the things you've done. Like we'll go through in mindset on when we get to some of my favorite parts is, the words we use and how they can affect your children. My gosh, I wish I would have known that earlier. I think I've made some real mistakes in the way I've talked to my children, but it, this, these books have really changed what I'm doing going forward. And I hope, I guess my sincere hope is, and you learn this in life, girls, I think just a lesson that I have, if you ever really want to get good at something, if you ever really want to get good, teach someone else because to teach something, you have to really think about everything you're doing and take a lot more time in the preparation, I've been so blessed going through these. And Ruthie, I appreciate your patience as we go through all these books because it can be a lot sometimes. So thank you for working with me and doing these because I've gotten a lot out of it personally and out of each of these books, but really have enjoyed spending the time with you to go through it. So let's let's take that. Let's jump right into the next book, which is Mindset by Carol Dweck, an awesome book um, and how a simple belief Right. She talked about the simple belief can have a, a profound impact on your life. And that belief that she set really set out was called mindset. And you had two options here. You could have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And your attitude in that in different areas, in one area of your life, you might have a fixed mindset. Another area, you might have a growth mindset. But um, it, it applies to so many areas. Uh, what are your thoughts? And what did you like? about this book, Ruthie? I liked when it talked about putting labels on yourself or other people, like um, how teachers can call out kids for being like gifted and talented, which is like really fixed mindset because it makes other people feel like they're not, like they can't achieve that. That's right. And so it has it has a negative effect on two different groups of people. One, the people that aren't in that group. And then secondly, that group. And that, that kind of goes to the part that, that was one of my favorites is part three. 
So in part three, we talk about the words we use and how they have a huge impact on the people we love. This can be teachers. Teachers can put their students in a fixed or growth mindset. They can treat some students differently than others. Um, and, and certainly parents can. And I just talked about it. I mean, I use often the wrong words. And you, you do this with good intentions. All of us do. Where, but we can actually be putting our kids in a fixed mindset by saying, hey, look, you're so talented at this or so smart at math. And actually, I'm putting you in a fixed mindset. And the implications of a fixed mindset, we can go through them in a minute, but are they're not good. It makes them not want to try hard, not want to practice by being in a fixed mindset. They don't want to lose that label of talented or gifted. So what do they do? They don't challenge themselves. If I challenge and I'm wrong, well, all of a sudden, then I'm not smart anymore or I'm not gifted. I'm not a gifted, you know, uh, guitarist or violin player. And so they'll shy away from challenge. They don't want to practice because, do, Ruthie, do you remember the Calvin and Hobbes uh, cartoon that we went through? Yeah. Yeah. So in, and in that one, that's where Calvin came upon his sister and said, what are you doing? And she's like, uh, I'm here, you know, rereading my notes and going over it to make sure I understand something. And he kind of shrugs and says, well, I used to think you were smart because the connotation is if you're smart, you don't have to work at it. And there she is working hard to make it. But that's that's exactly the wrong idea to be smart, to be talented at anything. It's obviously going to take work. But the idea when you put someone in a growth mindset by putting these labels like you talked about, Ruthie, you're making them not want to right? not want to try hard. So that, that's a great point. I'm glad you like that because that's. Probably the biggest area that I liked. Well, girls, what else did you did you like about mindset? I remember from mindset that your current skill level is just a starting point. So just because you're not so amazing at something your first time doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to focus on it with time and get a lot better. Oh, that that is awesome. I, I think that whole idea that whatever you're trying to improve or what you have. Um, this is just your starting point. And I mean, how many times have we walked in to whether it's a sport or a class or anything and you walk in and you're all going to learn how to, I don't know, whatever it is, spin a basketball on your finger. And there's somebody that can do it without any effort whatsoever. Right. And you're sitting there fumbling and it's falling on the ground. Does that mean you can't learn to do that or be good at that? No, no it doesn't. And so, I, I love that idea. It, it's just a starting point. Everything is just a starting point. And we can become just that idea, this mindset of a growth mindset. And that, what I loved about it as well, and, and Sarah Jane, that's in part one. And it, it's throughout the book, but really your current skill level is just a starting point comes from that. Um, it, it's covered there. But I just, we have so much to learn and we can get better at things. And the idea that these, that other people are better right off the bat, they might be given more God-given talent in a certain thing. But look, let, let's take someone that might be a quarterback in football. Well, maybe they're born a certain way and they're good at being a quarterback. But as you increase in skill level, maybe you've got something that isn't so readily apparent at first when you go to throw a spiral. Maybe, but maybe you've got some spatial awareness and some great gift of being able to tell where all the players are on the field and read when people are going to come open. Well, that doesn't show up day one when you go to throw a spiral, but as you get really, really good, 
then you can separate yourself. So you never know. And this is her point here. You never know how great you can be until you put in the time and effort. But you must have the growth mindset to say, I can become really, really good at this by putting the effort in. And it applies to so many things in life. So look, let's look at where it applies. It applies to your personality. Oh, did you think you could have changed your personality? What do you think? You think that's fixed or you can change it? I would think you wouldn't be able to change it. But maybe. but but you can. Look, I, it is hard to be an outgoing person, but someone that's an introvert can work really hard at being good at, you know, and very social at parties and other things. They're not naturally have a bend that way, but you can change your personality. You can improve at things. You can improve your social skills. You can, hey, maybe you're a hothead. Well, guess what? That's your natural tendency, but it doesn't mean you can't get really good at uh, holding your temper and controlling yourself. Absolutely you can. But what does it take? A growth mindset to know that these things can change with focus and effort. So that's your personality, intelligence, sports, negotiating, leadership. Oh, did you know this that leaders aren't born? No, they're made. And you can learn how to be a great leader. Music ability, artistic ability. I love the story. We talked about it when we went through where mom, you know, thought, oh, well, no, you know, so many things are are set in stone, but some things like art, you just can't change. Well, Carol Dweck gave some phenomenal examples of people that became great artists and in just in a few days could be shown how to how to be great at art. So anyway, love this book. Everyone should read this. It's it's fantastic. And let's jump into our next book. Grit by Angela Duckworth. Oh my goodness. Great book. Angela, I'd probably say a third of her book is really referencing Carol Dweck and her mindset, but so much to gain out of Angela and her insight into this as a social psychologist. Uh, Ruthie, what did, what did you like about this book? Um, my favorite part of this book was the deliberate practice where you can get better at something by practicing for 15 minutes of good quality instead of just kind of messing around for like hours. That's right. This is another thing that one, I have personally changed the way I practice based on this. This is huge. And what Angela talks about here is experts and Olympians and people that reach the top echelons of their sport or their uh, art or their music, whatever it is, people at the top of the spelling bee, right? The national spelling bee champions, they practice differently than most people. And it's this deliberate practice. And she goes through and outlines kind of a formula for this on what we should be doing. So I, everyone knows I want, my girls all know, I want to get better at golf. I'm kind of obsessed with it and want to get better. But I used to go hit ball after ball after ball and kind of just grind it out. But guess what? I've completely changed that methodology with this deliberate practice. And Ruthie, it's, it's worth probably just highlighting. You can go that this is from grit part two. Why don't you highlight the few things here that are part of deliberate practice and what it means? Um, get a coach, a mentor, or a teacher that can help you get the most out of deliberate practice. That's right. That's part one. What's part two then? Know the science. Each of the basic requirements is unremarkable. Have a clear stretch goal full effort and concentration, immediate and informative feedback and repetition 
with reflection and reinforcement. That's right. And it's huge. There are a couple other steps that she goes through. You can go back and listen to part two to get that. But what, what's key here is that the training and practice that she's talking about is full effort, focused with help usually from a coach or mentor, but they don't need to be there the whole time. You can do some great deliberate practice on your own, but you need to have a stretch goal, full effort and concentration. So they can be in effort. That's why you want to do it for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours at the max in a day and with immediate informative feedback. Me just hitting balls on the driving range doesn't do a whole lot of good. I need feedback. That's why now I go and I tape almost every time I'm working on it. Or I've got someone there that can be looking say, I'm working on this one thing and I want to make sure I'm getting better, better at it. So it's a different way to practice. If you want to be really good at something, this is a way to do it. It's not <clears throat> hours of brute force training. It's high quality, thoughtful training goals pursued for just a few hours max at a time. Uh, Sarah Jane, any of your thoughts on grit by Angela? Yeah, I like the part about passion, learning that passion isn't something you're just born with, like you wake up one day and you're just totally obsessed with something, but it's something you develop over time. Like you have to try new things and some of them aren't going to work out, but I feel like working through them with time, then you develop passion. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of young people struggle with finding their passion, but it's not something that you're just going to get while watching TV or like sitting on the couch. You have to <laughs> go out That's and try right. to like pursue <clears throat> something. And then over time it will develop. That's right. And you know, girls, we've all seen those people that <clears throat> know their passions from the beginning, don't you? Yes. <clears throat> so, and, and we're jealous of those people, people that at a young age or, just are very convicted, but I love this discussion because grit is the combination, and we go through this in the book, you can read it, and by the way, passion is in part three of, of that series if you wanna go back and listen to that episode because I really love this, Sarah Jane. I, I, I'm glad you brought this up because it's grit is the combination of passion and perseverance to reach long-term goals, right? That's That's what it is, but passion, we're all like, waiting for lightning to strike and ooh, now I'm going to know it. But you never know when you're going to find your passions in life. And they don't, they're, they're developed. It takes time and effort. And like Sarah Jane said, you got to get up off the couch and go do things. I used to hate golf. I hated it. I did not like it. I didn't think it was a real sport. I thought, you know, I did other things, but I hadn't really played or even given it time. So later in life, um, I went out and tried it because I thought I, I needed to have it for work events. And guess what? I got out and tried it and played and played and played. And all of a sudden I started to see the nuances of the game and decided that I really liked it and want to get better. And the more I played, the more I liked it. And that's how passions are. They take time. You may not even like something right away, but if you give it a chance and learn more, you may realize that something is, is way more interesting. And you don't see those nuances until you really get into it and, and give something a shot. And it's not going to happen watching TV or doing research on the internet, or sitting on the couch in mind experiments or thought experiments about what it's going to be like. You need to get out there and, and try things. And so one of the parts here as well, um, you know, just like, what is it, Ju Julia Child, right? She didn't become a great cook until later in life. And so she didn't even like cooking as a young child, but as an adult, she did. So 
You never know when it's going to happen, but I love this whole discussion. Encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, I'll say just on on grit. My favorite part was from part part two, where effort counts twice. And again, deliberate practice is the best way to do it. But at the end of the day, effort counts two times for everything. And just putting great effort, no matter what you're trying to do, is going to get you a long way. If you're not getting the great results you want, get a coach, get a mentor, get somebody to help you change your your strategies. But my goodness, effort in life, and I hope my girls know this, I've been a big believer and proponent. A lot of the success in my life has just come from outworking people. And you read so many of the success stories out there of different people, and Angela goes through several in the book that talk about just how far just sheer effort can get you. Again, there are other things that have to happen. um, But but again, a fantastic book. Highly recommend it to everyone. And so let's jump into our last book. And the one we finished, we did eight episodes on Atomic Habits. It seems like overkill, but my gosh, every single part of the book was so good. There were, I I put this in the top five books I've ever read in my life. And, And I read a lot. And so just so applicable to everyday life things you can get. So girls, quickly in the last couple minutes, what are your favorite parts? What did you love about it? Well, Ruthie, why don't you tell us who recommended this book to us? Where did, why did we even get the idea to do this? Um, <laughs> George recommended this book to my dad. And it's really good because it, it can apply to anyone. And my favorite part of the book was on changing your identity. Um, And he gave an example of two people that were quitting smoking. And when they were offered a cigarette, one said, no, thank you. I'm trying to quit. And the other said, no, thank you. I'm not a smoker. That's right. Look, that that identity part. Wow. I agree with you. That just hit home with me in a big way. Right. And and that smoking example. How powerful is that? I love it. And, And by the way, George, thank you for recommending this book. It was awesome. Uh, and, and obviously made a huge part of our, our series here. George is a high schooler. Just to give you an idea of how good this book is, here's a high schooler boy that went out and read this book from cover to cover and found it really interesting and recommended it to me. If And, and we know not all high schoolers just love to read, and it just shows you how good this book is. But, but this section is you saw that one smoker, the one that said, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit, He's, he was a smoker trying to be something else. The other had changed their identity. And how powerful is that? So kind of challenge us all to think about who we are, who we want to be. Um, and any thoughts, Sarah Jane, on this? Yeah, I like the part about casting votes for the person you want to be. I like that idea of every day making a small change or a small casting a vote to who you want to be to where over time it's going to accumulate. Yeah. Any examples that yet? Have you seen that happen for you in your life? Oh, have I? Yes. <laughs> um, one of my, one of my friends for, in my accounting classes, I really wanted to get an A on this next test. So he said, well, if you want to get an A, just, just be the person that gets an A, just become that person. And if you set your mind to it, you can do it. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's right. 
I'll just pretend like I'm that person who studies really hard and then gets an A on every single test. <laughs> so I did. And then I surprisingly actually did get an A. And that was the only A I got in that accounting class all year. And it made me realize that we can embody the person we want to be. Like it's our choice, not anybody else's, you know, so we can make small changes every day to become that person. That's right. Instead, make those small changes, start casting, choose who you want to be, right? I love this part. Choose who you want to be and then start casting votes for that identity and, and become, I agree with you. It's awesome. There's so many good parts. We just went through all of Atomic Habits, so many good parts in that book. I love the idea of quantity of time, effort in doing things, right? The, the taking photos example that they went through was super powerful. Um, that whole example, go back and listen to um, episodes seven and eight, um, where we're, the difference between being stuck in motion and taking action and the people that took better photos were the group that took hundreds of photos um, and wanted quantity versus the group that wanted to take just one great photo. Look, get out there and start doing things. We're going to become better podcasters by doing a bunch of podcasts, not by dreaming up what we want to do. So anyway, girls, thank you for joining us today for wrapping up our series, The Psychology of Excellence. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the last two episodes. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, listen, we're going to start our next series, uh, Know What You Believe, Part 2. And we've got a super cool first episode of that. So stay tuned and I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and thanks for listening to Lessons with Dad.